Well, welcome back to Grumlaw Church Online. We are so glad that all of you decided to join us here this morning. Uh, again, we definitely don't take that for granted, uh, especially if this is your first time tuning in. Honestly, thank you so much for carving out a little bit of time and, and spending it here with us today. Uh, today, we're actually going to be continuing in a series that we began last week titled, I Want to Believe, But... Because it's our feeling that, that a lot of you, in fact, a lot of you who are watching right now, that, that you want to believe in God, but, but yet there, there are these certain hurdles, that there are obstacles, there, there are questions that you just cannot get past. Uh, for, for instance, last week, we, we talked about this distorted version of God. We talked about on-demand God, that, that you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray, and, and God never seems to give you what you ask for. And so you've logically come to the conclusion that God either A, must not exist, or B, he just does not care. Really kind of the same difference in your mind. But, but as we're continuing, as we continue to discuss in this series, who told you that that's what God is like? Who, who, who told you that God is just supposed to answer every single one of your prayers the way that you would answer your prayers? Who told you? Who led you to believe that God is just kind of this glorified genie in a bottle? Who led you to believe that on-demand God exists? So, so if, if you weren't here for part one of this series, that's just kind of a teaser. We, we talked a whole lot more about this last week, and I'd really, really encourage you to go to grumlaw.com slash messages and catch yourself up there. You can listen to the messages there. You can watch the messages there. Or as always, you can uh, find us under Grumlaw Church wherever it is that you happen to grab your podcasts and listen that way. But, but over the course of this series, we're, we're going to continue to discuss these somebody told me so gods, these, these distorted versions of God, and in turn, hopefully give you a more accurate picture of who God truly is. And, and we believe, we're trusting that, that as you discover who God truly is, you'll, you'll want to, you'll naturally want to explore more. And, and hopefully you'll actually fall more in love with God, as strange as that maybe will sound to some of you right now. And today we're going to talk about, and I've been really excited for this reason, today we're going to talk about what I believe to be the greatest obstacle to people putting their faith in and following God, at least in our first world American society. It's this age-old dilemma that is posed to me all the time. Honestly, almost every single week I hear this, sometimes more than just once a week, or at least some version of this from at least one person. It's this dilemma of, I want to believe, but... That there are so many terrible things that, that happen in this world, so many unjust, so many unfair things, and I can't believe, I, I, I can't just, I can't rationalize a loving God would actually allow this stuff to happen. I, I mean, I want to believe, but what's up with the Holocaust? I, I want to believe, but can we just talk for a second about sex trafficking? I, I want to believe, but, but why is God allowing this crisis in our world right now? I mean, what's going on with COVID? I, I want to believe, but can, can we talk about the fact that racism is still really, really prevalent and, and there are terrible, terrible events happening like the Ahmaud Arbery case? Like, like what's going on there? I, I, I want to believe, but, but my dad, but my wife, but my child just died out of nowhere. God, why would you allow those types of events? Why would you like to allow those types of things to happen? It's these type 
of questions that have long been, and maybe this is your story, the, the, the greatest hurdle to a lot of people believing, trusting in God. M- many, many people have walked away from God because of personal pain and suffering or pain and suffering that they see in the world and, and they simply cannot reconcile that with a God who is supposed to be so loving, with a God who is supposed to be just, with a God who is supposed to be so caring. In, in short, and people, and perhaps even you, You've lost faith in, for the context of our conversation here on out, perhaps you have lost faith in heartless God. But, but, but let me ask you something, and, and you're probably going to see that this is a bit of a theme, this, this line of questioning throughout this series, but who, who told you that God never allows bad things to happen to good people? I mean, we really try to process that. Where did you get that from? Who gave you this version of God? And I want to pose this to you this morning, and I recognize that I have to tread lightly right here. That as I say this, for a lot of you, again, this isn't just like some distant pain. This isn't some distant injustice. I mean, this is very personal for some of you who are watching right now. But what I want to pose to you this morning is that if you walked away from Christianity, if you walked away from your faith for, for the, because of this heartless God for this reason, perhaps, maybe, you walked away prematurely. But perhaps you walked away from a God that never existed in the first place. Because after all, and I think it would be wise for us to kind of begin the conversation here, nobody has ever made the argument that a good God would not allow bad things to happen to good people. And since bad things never happen to good people, there must be a good God. Nobody. That would be a preposterous, that, that would be a laughable argument to make that a good God would not allow bad things to happen to good people. Since bad things never happen to good people, there must be a good God. Nobody in the history of mankind has ever made that argument. That, that, that cannot be an argument for the existence of God. So consequently, when we turn that around and we hold bad things happening to good people as evidence that God must not exist, the question that must be asked is who gave us this version of God? Where did we get that from? Because the world didn't tell us that. Nature didn't teach us that lesson. Our life experiences didn't allow us to jump to that conclusion. And it certainly didn't even come from Christianity. Because think about this. Christianity begins, its foundation is with a horrible thing happening to the greatest person. I mean, the foundation of the Christian faith rests on something absolutely heinous happening to the greatest, to the kindest, to the loving, to the most compassionate person who ever walked the face of the earth. Even the most devout atheists, even the people that reject Christianity as a whole, that they still acknowledge that Jesus was a really nice guy that he was loving, that he was kind. I mean, the Christian faith centers around an event where Jesus was brutally murdered, tortured for crimes that he did not commit. In fact, think about it this way. If Christianity had ever taught that God would not allow bad things to happen to good people, Christianity would not have made it out of the first century. Because basically all of the first century disciples and followers of Jesus ended up getting killed, ended up being tortured, persecuted for spreading the name of Jesus. 
If that would have been one of the primary stones that Christianity sat on, it would have never made it out of the first century. So the idea that a good God would not allow bad things to happen to good people, I'm not sure where you got that from, but it certainly is not from Jesus. It certainly isn't from Christianity. Nobody has ever tried to build a case for God by arguing a lack of evil in the world. So, so, so here's my point. Here's why I kind of get excited about that. If you lost faith in heartless God, good. Because heartless God does not exist. It is okay. You should stop believing in heartless God. And for the rest of our time here together this morning, I'm gonna do my best to present to you a more accurate version of who God is and and why I believe. And and I recognize I'm just one guy. So so you can certainly take this for what it's worth, but but why I believe you should still follow Jesus even even though there is a whole mess of unspeakable evil and tragedy that occurs in our world, in fact, on a daily basis. Now, uh, when we talk about heartless God here, what, what we're really talking about let's just be honest, is injustice. And, and, and I alluded to this earlier, that this whole dilemma that we're speaking about this morning uh, is really primarily an issue for Western first world people, Americans and Canadians and Western Europeans. And, and, and any of you that have ever traveled to a third world country, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. That, that, that there almost seems to be a correlation between extraordinary poverty and extraordinary faith. And if you have ever been one of those people that have leveraged suffering in the world as a case against God, I want to speak directly to you here for just a second. Proceed with caution when commandeering other people's pain to build your case against God. And I say this, and I know you don't mean it to be this way, but I'm telling this, when you do this, it's insulting. It's insulting. Because the truth is, is that suffering and pain and hardship for many, many people in the world actually ends up being the path that leads them to God. So so before you're quick to paint this broad stroke, we'd be wise to recognize that extraordinary suffering often leads to extraordinary confidence in God. Now, as I was preparing, as I was kind of processing this and praying through this message, that the thing that first came to mind, the best example that I could think of this, it goes back to what I believe to be the most unspeakable, the most unthinkable, heinous tragedy uh, that's ever occurred here in the United States of America. Uh, slavery. W- whether you want to believe it or, or not, let's just be honest. The United States of America was built on the backs of slaves, people that were brought to America against their will, uh, and were forced to, to basically be, you know, slaves. They, they were indentured servants for, for the white people that, that lorded over them. Now, now, what's so interesting, and I'm fascinated by this, that as you read about slavery in, in history books, as you go back and you read diaries, and you read the personal accounts of, of people that, that went through, again, just, just incredible suffering and incredible pain, 
One of the common themes, I mean, it's almost scary how common it is, is the extraordinary faith that our African brothers and sisters had while they were in this country, while they were being persecuted, while they were suffering, while they were in the midst of pain. Many of them never even saw out of that pain. That was their entire lives. In fact, many times, and this is incredible, the, the very white men that were lording over them, they were using the same scriptures that they were reading as leverage and as validity for why they were doing what they were doing, but yet they still placed their face in that same God. That extraordinary suffering often leads to an extraordinary confidence in God, not away from him. I've had so many conversations uh, as a pastor, and again, as I was processing this and thinking through this, it was just kind of blowing my mind with, with people uh, in particular uh, who have went through really, really terrible divorces because of unfaithfulness. And, and it's resulted in custody battles and child support. And even after the divorce is finalized, there's this, this constant tension. But one of the themes that I often see is that that individual, despite the fact that they have been through so much, so much trauma, so much tension, so much pain, their faith was actually strengthened through that. And, and again, as, as I discussed last week, I'm not suggesting for a second that these individuals would want to go through those trials again. Of course not. But yet, their faith grew. That, that their confidence in God grew. That, that, that there's actually so much that they can look back on and say, yeah, that there's actually a lot of good that came out of that. But, but yet, our Western argument, it goes something like that, this. If he's good, he would, and if he could, he would. If God is good, then certainly wouldn't he? And if, if God could, then, then why wouldn't he help? So you, you kind of come to one of three conclusions. You, you either think he ain't good, or, or he lacks empathy, or he's incapable. And, and frankly, you probably don't want to worship a God that isn't good, lacks sympathy, or is incapable. Or maybe, as some of you have jumped, you've come to this conclusion that God just doesn't exist at all, and God is simply an illusion. God is simply this, this thing that's kind of been brainwashing, you know, emotionally unstable people like me for, for thousands of years. But what I want to pose to you this morning is that, is that pain and suffering doesn't present evidence one way or the other to God's existence. No, 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 pain and suffering, I believe, and I'm hoping you'll recognize by the end of this, that pain and suffering are reminders that we need God. There is, in fact, no rational argument against the existence or the involvement of the God of Jesus, the God that we talk about here on Sunday morning. So I'm not painting a broad stroke for all gods. I'm specifically talking about the God of Jesus. There is no rational argument against the existence or the involvement of God of Jesus based on injustice in the world. Now, listen, I get it. It's emotional. It's often personal. I mean, how could a good, how could a loving, how could a just God allow it? I mean, I have enough empathy to understand where you're coming from. I understand that line of questioning, but there's actually no rational argument to be made against the God of Jesus based on injustice in the world. Now, in all actuality, injustice in the world calls into question the justice of God, not the existence of God. If you've had trouble reconciling these type of questions, this is really where you should be positioning yourself. 
Because yes, Jesus followers, we, I, I absolutely believe in a loving, just God. And yes, I'm acknowledging that injustice happens all the time. So, so it makes far more sense for us to focus on the justice of God. And, and if you're following my line of thinking here, it, it makes far more sense for you to be angry with God than to be an atheist. It makes far more sense for you to be angry at God than for you to stop believing in God altogether. Now, next question that kind of pops to mind is, is I, as I process this is, why do we assume if there is God that he must be good and just? That, 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 if, that if God is out there, if there's a real God out there, why do we assume that he must be good and just? Because again, nature did not reveal that to you. Your life experiences surely did not demonstrate that to you. So, so, so where did you get that from? And, and whether you've ever really processed that, and hopefully you're mulling that over right now, whether you've ever put this together, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you even want to believe it or not, I'm just telling you, this is just true. The, the, the justice and dignity for all version of God was introduced by Jesus. This was a new thing that came along with Jesus. But, but before Jesus, I promise you, we don't have time to go in and dissect all of these other ancient gods. That This version of God before Jesus did not exist. But, but before Jesus, that there was no concept of a God who loved everyone, who provided justice, who provided dignity for all. No, it, it was all specific people and, and chosen people. If you were part of the chosen tribe, if you followed these rules, then maybe you, you would win the favor of God. But at best, it kind of seemed like the gods just tolerated the people. Jesus is the one who introduced to the world the idea that God loves and God values everyone. John is uh, one of the 12 guys that, that spent virtually every waking moment with Jesus during his time on earth. He's commonly referred to as one of the disciples. He wrote one of the biographical accounts of the life of Jesus, aptly titled John. And, and we don't know if what we're about to read here, that if we get, he got this information directly from Jesus or this was just an observation by him, but I, I tend to think in the latter that it was just an observation because he wrote these words down or dictated them to somebody else long after Jesus had ascended, long after Jesus had left this earth. And in John 3.16, and we've looked at this verse a number of times here over these last couple of months, it's arguably the most common piece of scripture. John says, for God so loved and you can almost picture him writing it down. For God so loved the Jews. Now, it seems bigger than that. For, for God so loved the people that live here around Jerusalem. No. And he finally writes down, based on what he observed, based on what he saw in the life of Jesus, he says, for God so loved the world. For, for God so loved everyone that, that what did he do? He, he gave, he gave his one and his only son that, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's like, whoa, 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 wait, John, John, you're telling us that, that if we believe in this, this son of God, that, that we can have eternal life, that when we leave this earth, that that's not actually it. 
For, for God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, which is what everybody would have been used to. Again, in this, this ancient you know, society here, in, in, in this ancient Mediterranean world, again, the, the, the gods were judges. They condemned and only a select few got in. But, but you're telling me the God that you're talking about, that the God of Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world isn't to save everyone through him? See, this has been so beaten to our brains, Christian or not, that, that we've never really, probably until this morning, you probably never even considered where this came from. But it was Jesus who introduced this idea that all people have value. That, that, that God loves everyone. And this is such an important detail. Jesus brought this idea into the world when there was neither justice or dignity for anybody. It was a time in history where the rich lorded over the poor. That, that, that if you had power, that meant you were right. That might meant right. Women had no voice. Children were, were, were worthless. They had no value. And along comes Jesus claiming that, that all people, as in Everyone, as in the entire world, young, old, poor, rich, everyone has dignity. And God loves everyone. And wouldn't you know it, Jesus' first century followers embraced this truth. They embraced that God is all loving, that God is good, that God is just. Even in the face of enormous persecution, and often being treated extraordinarily unjust. But pain and suffering are not proof that God doesn't exist, but reminders of how much we need God. In another one of his letters, John writes here in 1 John, he says, Dear friends, let us love one another. But, but why, John? He says, for love comes from God. And again, if you grew up in church, we just breeze past that. We, we, we don't think anything of this statement that, that love comes from God. But again, this was a showstopper to that original audience. They go, well, what do you mean love comes from God? Because again, they knew the gods as these punishers, as these gods who are full of judgment. But you're telling us that, that love actually comes from this God that you're telling us about? He continues, he says, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And again, they would have been, what, time out. John, you mean God's like love? You, you mean that God is loving? No, no, no. God is love. As in God and love are, are inseparable. And remember, John is writing this as he is experiencing incredible injustice as he's constantly being persecuted, as his treatment towards him is incredibly unfair. Jesus was the initiator of this idea. And he introduced it into a world that was neither just nor fair. And this is so, so, so important because our entire basis for justice comes from the presupposition that every single person has value. Again, you've probably never thought about it in that way, but again, our entire basis for justice comes 
from this thought that every single person has value and the concept that every person has value came from Jesus. And so if you're tracking with me, if you throw aside the God of Jesus, you are disregarding the very basis by which you draw justice from. I'm not telling you that you have to believe in Jesus. That is your choice. But if you throw aside Jesus, you throw aside justice. If you chuck Jesus, the God we talk about here on Sunday mornings into the garbage, you are consequently losing the very justice that you are pounding your fist demanding. Because if you lose Jesus, you lose the fact that every single person has value. And if every person on this planet does not have value, we're left with my justice and your justice and KKK justice and Nazi justice and ISIS justice and majority justice and street justice and power justice and rich justice. Because remember, we have pushed God out the door. So we have nothing and no one. To appeal to. When we reject God because of injustice in the world, we don't solve injustice. We lose justice altogether. And so, if the God of Jesus really is just, and he really is love, and he really is rich in mercy, then therefore, right, he has to be concerned with all of the injustice in our world. Does, does the God of a Jesus, does, does he address this? Does he have a solution? You bet. But here's the thing. <laughs> we don't really like it. The, the, the injustice that we see all around us, that the shootings and the corruption and the greed and the lying and the stuff that when we turn on the TV or we look through the news feed on our phones and we shake our heads, that the stuff we pound our fist over and we demand justice for time and time and time again, over and over and over again, God assures us that that justice and in turn judgment because you can't have one without the other, that that justice, that that judgment is a coming. Now, now part of the reason we don't like this is because it's not always in our timing. We, we want like immediate justice and we want like street justice. It, it, it's maybe not when, when you would want it. It's maybe not when you would have planned it, but that is not your decision to make. That is above your pay grade. You are not God and come on, be honest with yourself. That's probably a good thing. As we began to discuss last week, you're not always going to understand. It, it will frequently not make sense to you. But, but that's part of you coming to grips with who you are and with who he is, that, that, that he is the creator and you are the creation. That, that, that his ways are, are higher than yours. But justice, what we all want, what we all demand, Make no mistake about it. God promises us over and over and over again that it's coming. And honestly, we, we could spend the entire year, literally, there, there is no shortage of scripture talking about the justice of God. I, I plucked just one example. that This was a letter who a guy by the name of Paul wrote to the early Christian church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5.10. 
He says this, he says, for we must all, we must all stand before Christ to be judged. If you, if you want justice, you're gonna get judgment. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil that we have done in this earthly body. And again, here's the big reason why, why we don't like this. There's one word in here, and I highlighted it, that we really don't like, and it's right here. It's all. We're not crazy about the fact that this is for everyone, because, because deep down, though you may have never admitted this to anybody else, you know that you fall short. That, that, that if there is a God out there, if there is a just God out there, that that means that you're in trouble. Here's what a passage of scripture like this does. It exposes our hypocrisy. Because you want justice for them, but you want mercy for you. And when we come to grips, when we just begin to come to grips with a just God, we, we start to get nervous. And we're not getting nervous for the terrible criminals that are out in our world. No, no, no. You, you get nervous for you. You know that you're in trouble. You know that you fall short. But, but, but fortunately for us, that the God that we talk about here on Sundays, the God of Jesus, is not just a God of justice and judgment alone. And I'm telling you, this is the beauty of the gospel. <laughs> this is the beauty of Jesus, and this is why I think every single person who's watching right now should be a follower of Jesus, that, that, that he is not just a God of judgment and justice, but he is a God who is so rich in mercy who is so rich in compassion, who, who loves you so much. How, how do we know that he loves us that much? Well, John continues and, and tells us, he goes, this is how God showed his love among us. Now remember, the statement that he made prior to this is that God is love. And again, as people are scratching their heads going, what do you, what do you mean God is love? He answers their internal thoughts. He answers perhaps your internal thoughts. He says, this is how we know that God is love. This is how he showed, not just talked about, this is how he showed his love among us. He sent his one and his only son into the world that we might live through him, have, have true life, life to the full, life with purpose, life with satisfaction, a true contentment that you have never found before. This is love. And, and now he's kind of calling us out. He's going, listen, this is love. Not that we love God. In fact, we're terrible at that. We're constantly turning our backs to him. We're constantly rejecting him. We're constantly, constantly sinning. Not that, that, that we loved God, but that he loved us. And, and, and how do we know that? Because he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, not for his sins, for, for us. He, he gave us himself to cover up the mess that we had created for ourselves. Well, God, why would you do that? Because he is love. It, it is who he is. It, it is in his nature. It is who he is. God is love. So he created a way back to him. How, how do we know God's loving? 
How, how do we know that God is good even in the midst of all the chaos and the turmoil that we see in our, in our world? <laughs> well, John would tell us because, because he showed us. Because he gave us himself. Because in the midst of our rebellion, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of, dare I say it, our own injustice, he showed us just how much he values us. He he, he showed you just how much he loves you by giving you himself. to give every single one of us that chance to correct the injustice, come on, in all of our lives. So so that you never have to wonder again where you stand with God, so that you don't have to worry about the judgment because he gives you an opportunity to be declared righteous So, so, so that you might get that right standing back. I mean, come on, how quick are we? You know what? I won't even throw you under the bus. I'll throw myself under the bus. How quick am I to overlook the lengths that God has gone to to win me back? It's so easy for us to overlook this, that God could have just as easily walked away, that he could have looked into this mess of a world that we had created for ourselves, full of rebellion, full of sin, full of us rejecting him, and he could have just hung an out-of-order sign on earth and said, I'm done. But because he is not just a God of judgment, but because he is love, he is love, because he is a God of mercy, he chose to get involved. And he chose to because he loves you that much. And, and yes, no mistake about it. If life seems unfair to you, you're right. But if life were fair, in the end, every single one of us would get exactly what we deserve. So maybe it's a good thing that life isn't fair. And let us not forget that injustice and pain and suffering was never a part of God's plan. That's on us. We're the ones that screwed things up. We are the ones who rebelled. We are the ones who sinned. But yet, even in the midst of the rebellion, even in the middle of the sin, God rolled up his sleeves and he chose to get involved. He gave us the solution. He gave us himself. He gave his son, Jesus. Pain and suffering are reminders that we need God. If you're watching right now and you genuinely care about injustice, you should want Christianity to be true. That the, the evil and the injustice in our world are nagging reminders that something is wrong. That we need God. When I watch a video of a black man just weeks ago being literally hunted down by a couple of racist bigots, as I'm processing that and I'm I'm thinking about this terrible evil that exists in our world, I'm not asking God, where are you? I'm declaring, God, no, no, we so desperately need you. Those murderers, they need you. A couple of months ago when my wife and I, we, we brought home our third child, this, this precious four-month-old boy. And, and I held him for the first time. 
with casts on both legs. His, both of his legs were broken through, through just unspeakable abuse. And as I was sitting there and weeping and trying to process what this poor child had been through in the short existence here on earth, I wasn't crying out to God going, God, what did you do? How dare you? How did you allow? No, no, no. I am in that moment confessing how much every single one of us, including his abusive biological parents, need Jesus. God sees you in your pain. God sees you in the suffering. He, he sees how corrupt our world is. He, he is well aware of the injustice and it is precisely why he gave us himself. That's why he gave us his son. If you're watching this morning and you've lost faith in heartless God, good. Is <laughs> that God doesn't exist. But, but a just, loving, merciful God is waiting for you to go running into his arms.